Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here on a Thursday. We are around 24 hours away as we are recording this from tip-off between Bucks and Lakers. Always one of the most anticipated regular season games, I think, for Milwaukee fans. So to join me to discuss this is the great man, Kyle Goon, beat reporter for the Lakers for the OC Register. What's going on, man? Not much. You know, I was just... You said it was Thursday. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess it is Thursday where you are. So I'm, you can see how, how much I'm still in my early season rhythms, you know, not quite in shape, still kind of mentally getting there. But uh, aren't we all? The Lakers are, are too. Well, I also – this podcast is coming out tomorrow, so I'm, I'm kind of able to cheat. So, yes, it is already Thursday here where I am, but by the time most people are listening to this, it's Thursday as well. So I'm doing a little bit of cheating, but don't – I make enough mistakes in this podcast. The other day before the Brooklyn game, uh, the Nets box was on ESPN in Australia because every game's on ESPN in Australia. And I mentioned that that game would be on ESPN about 15 times during the podcast. Of course, it was on TNT. So hopefully, I, I didn't <laughs> up there. But this Bucks Lakers game is going to be on TNT. Uh, before we dive into this, I can't imagine how many people have asked you what it was like to be in the bubble. Your, your Twitter bio says 93 days. I'm not going to ask you what it was like to be in there because you, you've probably honestly had that conversation a million times. But writing for the OC Register, I've seen that show in my younger uh, days, so I can only assume that you live in a, a clifftop mansion. So my question to you is, how did you survive in the bubble away from your mansion in California? <laughs> um, yes, as you know, journalists are paid top dollar, <laughs> uh, especially at newspapers. Uh, so yes, I live in a mansion. Um, no, I mean, it was just, um, you, you really understand why guys didn't want to do it again. Um, you know, I, I kind of found it challenging because it was so – you had to be such a 24-7 extrovert uh, about basketball. I mean, everybody's there for basketball. Like, the people you, you see in the morning to the people you see at night, like, it's just walking around, like, who's this, who's that, is who's this ref, who's this, you know, NBA, PA employee. Like, it's just 24-7, like – kind of networking and at a certain point I just need to shut off, you know? Um, so that, I think it was that for the players too. Um, except, you know, you're mostly just around your team. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, th- I get why it just dragged out for a lot of people, why people didn't like it. Um, and why we're not back in it. Cause it, it was just sort of crazy making in a way you kind of got cabin fever. Um, and, and it's just a long time to be, outside everything and and right now obviously the season isn't going the NBA the way the NBA wants but um you know there's definitely there's a reason why you haven't heard a renewed appetite for yeah let's go back to Disney World let's go back to the bubble let's do another four or five months in there nobody nobody wants to do that yeah the only people that are really calling for that 
uh, people that weren't in there. And I think that that's pretty telling. Anyone that, it, that was actually in there isn't screaming for this uh, bubble scenario right now. But we'll say uh, so far, uh, knock on wood, the Bucks have been relatively unimpacted. And, and I know it's kind of weird, particularly when you're making these cross-country road trips that the Lakers are going to be doing now. It's just such a strange um, situation to be in. But I, you know, I, I don't think that there's any place we can start here without talking about Giannis and LeBron. And we've had some interesting conversations coming out of both teams. You already mentioned the Lakers kind of sleepwalking their way to an 11-4 record right now, which is hilarious in itself. But these two matchups, I watched the majority of those earlier this week just to sort of remember what it was like. And the first thing that stood out to me, first of all, is the crowds in both arenas were just insane for both of these games last mm. year. Uh, obviously, they split that series, and you know, we did think that there was a chance that they were going to meet in the playoffs. That didn't happen. But overall, Giannis and LeBron, LeBron holds a 15-5 and five record over Giannis, but since 2017-18, it's only 4-3. and three. And the one thing that stands out to me is both these guys show up for these matchups. To me, it's, it feels like a slow-burning rivalry. They've never met in the playoffs. Their games for many years didn't actually mean a lot because the Bucks sucked. But now they're getting to this point where they both want to contend. They both had the same goal. Uh, it's it, To me, it's an underrated rivalry, but it's always a game that you really want to be watching. Yeah, and, and you know, it was funny. I was trying to ask Wesley Matthews about that, what it was yeah. like last year, because, um, you know, last year these games really dripped with that anticipation. And it's, it really felt like, oh, the, the MVP of the past versus the MVP of the present, the, the new um, – you know, he's, he's not LeBron, I think you and I both agree, but what, what if you could design somebody in a lab to, to replicate that kind of dominance, maybe Giannis would be what you, what you came out with. Uh, and I really, um, you know, obviously last year, the road game in Milwaukee, um, the Lakers were a little more banged up than they wanted to be, but I, I really felt um, at the time convinced that Giannis was probably the best player in the court. And then in that March game, <laughs> they come back right before the hiatus, and I was like, "Oh wait, there's a reason that you know Giannis hasn't reached LeBron's level, and it's and it has everything to do with how LeBron manages the half court game in the, those situations, um, kind of um, makes manipulates the defense, and you know we don't see a lot of that LeBron anymore until it gets down to the gritty, uh, like you said. I mean, he showed up in that March game." Um, it, it was really one of the most enjoyable games of the season, uh, in my view, and it was kind of tragic that it that the season just ended um, the week after that. Um, but you just kind of saw sort of LeBron at his height is still probably the best manager in the game in the sense of just manipulating the defenses to the to get the looks he wants to get, he wants his team to get. So, um, and the Lakers have only gotten stronger. So I'm really interested to see. I think there's some dynamics that we can talk about that, that will really challenge the Lakers. But, um, you know, I came away in the last matchup really feeling like LeBron is still the better overall player and the guy you would want in the playoffs. Yeah, I think if you're a Bucks fan, and even just watching the replay again and seeing the look in his eyes, and we all know when LeBron gets that look. And to be honest, Bucks fans have seen that for multiple years as well, along with everyone else in the league but I don't know whether it was just the fact that they lost that game earlier in the season I don't know how much the premature self-crowning had to do with it as well which personally I love because I love that kind of stuff and you know that it's stoking some sort of rivalry and even though no one really acknowledged it you know that LeBron was very much aware of that and that did feel like a statement game and LeBron 
he, again, as you sort of said, he picks and chooses his spots. But in that third quarter run where the Lakers really took the game away from Milwaukee, he was just physically dominant. And you don't often see him have to go to that length in a regular season game. But in this one, he was like, I don't really care who's defending me. I'm going to bulldoze you. I'm going to score in the rim. Uh, at the rim, I'm going to, uh, to pass the ball around the perimeter. We're going to get whatever the hell we want, and I'm going to control the game. And I think that that was probably the moment where Bucks fans were like, oh, man, this guy's, this guy's still the, the guy that we've seen for the last decade, and it's pretty damn scary. Yeah, well, uh, and also I want to bring up something that's even more recent when the MVP votes came out yeah, and yeah. Giannis won overwhelmingly. And and Frank, I, I didn't have a vote, but frankly, I probably would have voted for Giannis just uh, based on the historical criteria of, hey, like this is a really great season and, and LeBron had a top five NBA player added to um, his, his, his uh, you know, group. So... I don't know, like maybe if you if it was like a who do you want in the postseason award, like I'd give it to LeBron, but it's not right. So the vote comes out. We're in the bubble, and and uh, I forget who asked this question, but I, it came off as very innocuous to me. It's like, oh, what do you think of the voting for MVP? LeBron says it pissed me off, and I was like, what? <laughs> you never. You like it's so rare that you see something that frank from LeBron about um, you know reflections on his own glory because I mean LeBron is um, he has this vanity that not only does he want to be the best player he wants to be known as the best player and it burns him that he doesn't have as many MVPs as he thinks he should have and uh, he didn't win Defensive Player of the Year he had to hash it out with Marc Gasol when Marc Gasol <laughs> got got uh, signed so he he still thinks he should have a defensive player of the year in 2013 is bringing up that stuff in this com- conversation about whether Giannis deserved the MVP so that that stuff is even though that seems like a while ago you know August September whenever it was um, that stuff is present to LeBron and that stuff matters in these these matchups that he, he wants people to know that he's the best all right, let's talk about rockauto.com now, our fantastic sponsors of the show. This is the family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com, the shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Uh, all you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now and you'll see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there in there how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you that's locked on in how did you hear about us box amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com When you need fantasy basketball advice, it's important that you have a reliable source. More people trust Josh Lloyd, host of Locked On Fantasy Basketball, than any other fantasy basketball podcast. It's also because he's Australian. Subscribe to the number one fantasy basketball podcast, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, wherever you get your podcasts. I think that's the one thing we've learned, again, over the last few years, is that LeBron enjoys the matchup with Giannis. Like I said, he hasn't had a bad game against Milwaukee in years because he does show up for these games. So in many respects, I'm sure Giannis loves that with the competitor he is, but it is. If you're a Bucks fan, you're like, well, here we go. We're going to we're going to get LeBron's best. Let's see if we can we can come out with the win. The one interesting thing 
for me. And Chris Middleton spoke this morning, and uh, I know you were on the call, and he said the Bucks have nothing to prove. It's all about the postseason. This has been a definitive change in mindset from Milwaukee this season, and I think part of that is learning lessons from the past that, you know, beating the Lakers in December, it was fun. It was fun. And maybe at that point, they felt like they were a team that did have to make a statement. I think now they've realized that it doesn't really matter. No one's going to give you any credits for winning this game in December. So that's been a change in mindset for Milwaukee. How have you seen the Lakers locker room in year two with this, even though they've had some personnel changes, year two with this duo coming in off the shortened off season, coming in as champions? Because like I said, they, they kind of look like they're cruising, but they're also 11-4. and four. Yeah, and, and honestly, I'd have to tell you they are just based on the circumstances of those wins. And, and even Frank Vogel said the other day, you know, we've beaten Memphis without John Morant. We've beaten San Antonio without LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, the, they have two losses on their schedule, uh, including the, the Clippers in Portland, which might be the best, the best teams they face so far. And obviously they just kind of let it one go against the Warriors. Um, so, you know, it, they've shown me enough um, – at half speed to make me believe that um, they're probably they're not that they're probably they're in the top tier. It's just a question of how many teams are, are with them. Um, are the bucks in there? Are the nets in there? Um, are the Clippers in there? Uh, a team that because of their collapse last year, no one's really talking about, um, but it, they, they've got holes. And, and, and I think one thing that uh, this team has to be cautious about is um, just their culture, uh, in the sense that last year, um, the Lakers really matched everybody. They, they started out and they, they were really wire to wire, uh, Western champions, um, which was a goal of theirs. And I think it is a goal of theirs now, but the urgency isn't quite the same way because they won a championship, um, because they brought back a lot of the same guys and they added, uh, arguably more talent. Um, so I, I wonder if it matters to them in the same way that they lost the game that they lost on Monday against Golden State, if it pisses them off in the same way, or if they're just sort of tread, tread water until they get to the playoffs. And I think what last year showed is, is you know, the Lakers handled the regular season seriously and, and wanted to beat everybody and have a psychological edge. And the Clippers didn't. It didn't really matter because they felt like they had the most talent and then the Clippers were the team that fell apart and the Lakers were the team that won the championship. So I, I, to me, that culture difference is striking. And it's just a line that the Lakers should be more careful to walk. So you already mentioned Wesley Matthews, who really became a pretty integral part of the Bucks starting lineup last season, particularly with the, the defensive matchups that he had. And I know he's been getting some of those matchups in LA as well so far. But the center position is what's really intriguing to me. And obviously last year, I think that we saw not only in the matchups against Milwaukee, but in a bunch against a bunch of other contenders that the kind of makeshift five during the regular season, Dwight Howard, Javel McGee, not really going to play a lot against those teams. And I don't think anyone anticipated that they were going to play huge minutes in your finals. Anyway, the best lineup to me still, for obvious reasons, is Anthony Davis at the five. But this year, when you add Montrez Harrell and Marc Gasol, it's an interesting dynamic and a completely different look to what they were running last year with just the, the ability of those guys, the things they can do offensively. How has this worked so far? Again, it's only early days, but those two, to this point, Casal's playing around 20 minutes, uh, Montrez 24. They're kind of splitting, splitting their time there at the five. 
Yeah, well, if you look at the, the five-man lineup uh, of the starting group uh, with Mark and Contavious Caldwell-Pope, um, that's one of the best lineups in the NBA uh, by net rating. Last time I looked, they were uh, the, the best, healthiest, line, healthy lineup in the NBA. Um, and that's saying something, right? I mean, it, it's just the spacing created on offense is just different. Um, you know, I think uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron uh, in space happens more often with uh, Marc Gasol out you know, standing on the wing or, or staying at the top of the post. Marcus Gasol can also, uh, you know, make passes out of the top of the post, which is something that, you know, Dwight and JaVale couldn't do. Um, so I think that dynamic has really helped the offense and Mark has been so far good enough on defense to, to make it work. He's not a, a traditional shot blocker, but he's just sort of is a guy who holds his ground, right? He's, he's just a hard to move dude. Um, if you try to post him up, you're probably not going to do very much against him. Uh, Trez is sort of like, this isn't going to sound very flattering, but he's kind of the, <laughs> the regular season innings eater. And, and other people, I'm not, I think Zach Lowe first described him that way. And, and that's a great way to describe him of, hey, he's going to come off the bench, score a bunch of points, keep it going, win some of those bench minutes. Um, I don't know of the fit so to speak, in terms of a, a total scheme way. And I think defensively, um, it's challenging. Uh, and that showed up on Monday. Um, so I, I do think specific to the Bucks on uh, tomorrow night, you're really going to see a lot of pressure put on the rim by Giannis. Um, and obviously, they've adjusted their offense. So they have, you know, a guy standing in the dunker position. Um, Frank Vogel really talked a lot after that Golden State loss about the low man defense, um, which, which really just means the help defense uh, at the rim, right? So Milwaukee puts as much pressure on the rim as any team in the NBA um, just by Giannis and, and, by, and now with um, sort of the guy who, who stands at that dunker spot. So I really am curious how the Lakers do or don't make adjustments. I mean, Anthony Davis, as you, as you alluded to, has been so good as a small ball five, and they'll probably end up closing with that lineup. Um, I don't know if they've found their best closing lineup, honestly, but but you know they they just don't have um, as much attentiveness to the low man defense as they need. And against a team like Milwaukee, um, that's really problematic. And and I think that matchup is going to be really telling for do the Lakers need to get another center, another actually traditional shot blocker when they can when their roster space opens up in February. It's time to talk about betonline.ag, our great sponsors of the show, because we know sports are just starting to heat up from NBA, uh, NFL playoffs, college basketball is going on. Uh, there's probably all sorts of other things happening. Australian Open out here in a few weeks. I don't know. Probably check that out. But don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. If you want to get basketball smart, it starts with listening to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. NBA analytics pioneer and front office insider John Hollinger joins Dunkdon podcast host Nate Duncan to bring you scouting reports, game breakdowns, and salary cap analysis. 
Subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan today, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, we've seen some interesting stuff and there's been a lot of talk about DeAndre Jordan playing significant minutes the other night against uh, the Bucks, And we've spoke about that on this show, that that actually helps your ability to play Brook Lopez, who's only been averaging in the low 20s for minutes per game. He played 33 against Brooklyn because if you have DeAndre Jordan out on the floor, then you're fine having Brook Lopez there as, at your five. Uh, so far this season, this is per cleaning the glass, and you would probably know this from watching them uh, nightly and, and up close. Anthony Davis, only 10% of his minutes at centre so far this season, 40% it was during the regular season last year. And I think it makes sense to me, again, when you talk about Montrez Harrell, because I don't know how playable he's going to be in the playoffs from a defensive point of view. But at the same time, they are wanting to, I would guess, get Marcus Gasol through the regular season because they believe that he's yeah. going to be a playable player in, in the postseason. And look, there was lots of questions after the bubble. How washed is Mark Gasol? And uh, like you said, I mean, playing alongside LeBron and Anthony Davis, I think he's going to be fine. But it seems critical that they want to get him healthy, at least, to the postseason. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah, the, the question will be about Mark Gasol. Because frankly, he wasn't good in the bubble last year. I mean, he was awful in the bubble, actually. Uh, and so nobody really knows what the bubble effect was. I mean, you know, the Bucks as much as any team, obviously. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, but I'm sure these conversations are being had and, and it's, it's got to be difficult for um, the coaching staff of the Lakers now that you've sort of tasted the fruit of, of what a championship is like. I think the challenge is to not look at the regular season as just like, all right, we're just kicking stones down the road until we get to the playoffs. I mean, it's, that's when you form your culture. That's when you form the habits and, and, Frank has been saying that, but it's just a di- it's a different thing to to create that. I think um, Anthony Davis is, is probably a force in in creating that. I think he has um, high level accountability. Um, but you know, LeBron is the biggest voice on the team, and LeBron's done this many times before. He's won four championships, so he's he's kind of happy right now. He's everyone's locked up long term. There's there's no strain in any way really on this team externally except for winning that championship uh, come this summer. So it's, it's a weird challenge to get to that point, honestly. All right. We can probably look to wrap this up. The one question I have, because I've been grappling with this basically with every game, and there's some teams that you know you're going to learn things from. I think we learned something from the Bucks nets game the other night. Uh, this will again be a game that you'll be able to learn things from. But given what we saw last year, again, one of the difficulties of watching this Milwaukee team or covering this Milwaukee team is, well, what, what does it really matter? So what is the result actually going to mean tomorrow? For one, you get a sense for who guards who. Um, and look, I mean, this is the meat of any playoff series. Like, how, how are guys going to guard each other? Um, you know, is it, with, with Chris and Giannis, I'm interested to see how those matchups kind of twist or if they're going to stick to certain guys. Um, and obviously both those guys are great defensively. And what do they do with Brooke? Um, you know, it's, it's just, uh, I, I, I'm really interested to see w- what those, those matchups cause as, as I was alluding to earlier, interested to see, you know, are the Lakers going to feel compelled to go get out another rim protector after this? Um, I don't, I don't know what Milwaukee's options are roster wise, but, you know, maybe they'll see the need to, uh, but maybe Drew Holiday makes a big, big difference um, in certain areas. Uh, he can't guard LeBron historically, but 
Um, you know, he, he can help against guys like Dennis Schroeder and, and KCP who have been really valuable scorers for the Lakers. So uh, I, I'm sort of interested in just seeing the matchups. And once you kind of crystallize in your mind what some of the defensive matchups are, um, you know, X team makes this move and they can counter with that. Then that kind of defines are there moves to be made in the off in the in the rest of the season? Guys to be added, adjustments, schemes, and really these kinds of games do define those extra little moves that the teams make and say, "Hey, we don't have enough of this. We need more of this." And I think eventually for the Lakers, it'll come down to rim protection, especially when you consider um, just how many good drivers are in the league. They just need just an extra tool in the toolkit. Um, and I'm, I haven't watched Milwaukee enough to know what that might be for them, but I, I think it will be defining to, um, you know, especially the front offices involved uh, of what those matchups really look like. I think the Bucks have approximately 750K up against the hard cap. So that's where they're at situationally. Uh, they do have a roster spot that they might be able to fill later in the season, but they haven't got much room to move at all. Yeah, they, Lakers, Lakers are right there too, yeah. I mean, you, you touched on the matchups. This is the final point I will make. Going back to that game in March last year, what made that so electric was the fact that LeBron and Giannis did go toe-to-toe a little bit and they went back and forth for a stretch uh, where they were scoring on consecutive possessions. That really only happened because Anthony Davis was in foul trouble. And this is the difficult thing with the Lakers is that I expect Giannis will start on Anthony Davis. Maybe down the stretch, if it's a close game, we might get the matchup that we're all looking forward to because we saw it also in the All-Star game a couple of weeks before that. And it's fun. It's fun when those two oh, it's go great. up against each it's other. Oh, it's all right. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I know it's I know it's just January, but this is we're a month in the season right now. This is like the first real game, right? I mean, I know you guys had the Nets uh, on uh, Monday, which was a great game, but like for the Lakers, this is the first real game that they're actually looking at. The first real, I mean, the Clippers opening night, but everyone is just like, oh, well, training camp has just barely ended, and we just barely got back. So this is the first game I'm really counting on to to tell us where these teams are yeah i tweeted this out after the bucks next game but that was the first time i've been sitting on the on the edge of my couch at home here really into basketball and not noticing anything else that was going on the stars were out there it was a fantastic game expecting the same here uh that's kyle goon you can get him on twitter at kyle goon follow his work at oc register as well he doesn't live in a in a in a mansion on a cliffside. I, I shouldn't set him up like that. That's, that's not very nice to my friend here. Don't ruin the illusion for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> hey, take it back. He is rich. Kyle, appreciate it, man. Thank you for ta- taking the time.